All right, this is the Pre-Professional Podcast. I'm your co-host, Zach Kraft. I'm Colton Watchering. And this is episode number six. It's kind of coming a long way. Yeah. I mean, I guess as far as long as episode six can come. But so in this episode today, we are going to kind of focus on kind of like a stretching mobility, but more not on like the whole like what is it, but what we get taught about it. And if what you get taught about it in school is like always the end all be all standard or whatever, or if there's so many different camps that you really have no idea exactly what to choose, which is which is great because that's exactly what this podcast is for. But before we get into it, a couple podcasts ago, we talked about Colton going on a race for 24 hours. He recently completed that last Saturday. So I feel like it'd be fun if he told us um, a little bit about that. So, Colton? Yeah, I um, <clears throat> this past Saturday, I did a race. It was 24 hours long. It was in, I don't say mountains, like big hills of Tennessee, Franklin, Tennessee. Each, it was a loop that I did. So each loop was 1.1 miles, uh, 340 feet of vertical elevation per mile or per loop, um, I ended up doing 53.9 total miles in that 24-hour span. And I think it was like 16,000-something feet of vertical elevation, which is over half of Mount Everest. Um, So that kind of puts that into perspective. I did it uh, it as a fundraiser, and we were able to raise over $11,000 for the charity, so I think that was amazing. I appreciate everyone who was able to help out with that. Um, but yeah, overall, it was it was an experience I will never forget for the rest of my life. But it's I don't want to do it again. Like it was it was not the most fun thing I've ever done. If I'm being honest, um, I was way in over my head. It sucked for I think an hour four. I wanted to quit and stop. But I, I knew I couldn't, uh, so it was a long next 20 hours that I had to do. But it's okay. It's okay. It's, uh, I'm glad I did it, but I never, I never want to do it again. It hurt. Um, I'm doing better today, like body soreness-wise, than I thought I would be. I thought I'd be out for a couple, for a l- couple days, potentially even a week. But like Zach and I worked out today, upper body, but it felt good. I'm a little weak, but... It was all good. Yeah, so, I mean, that's something I would never do. So good on you for doing that. And the amount of money you raised for charity is huge. So that's super cool. We're happy about that. <clears throat> but, yeah, super proud. That's cool. cool moment, especially for, for someone of our age. I mean, being in college and having that kind of an accolade or, I guess, achievement at so young of an age, I think that's pretty sweet. Not a lot of people get to do that even in, like, the realm of, like, professional um, when it comes to, like, fitness and exercise and whatnot. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't. I'm not an ultra runner and endurance runner, so I don't want you guys to think that this is my life because it's definitely not. But it was. It was my first ultra marathon, so my first 31 mile race, and then it was my first 50 mile race, and those are two big numbers, I think, when it comes to running. So I was happy to achieve them. Um, yeah, but I'm. I definitely don't want to keep doing ultra ultra running, ultra marathons. Um, but I'm, again, I'm glad I did it great experience glad i was able to we were able to raise a lot of money for charity um yeah it was it was fun it was it was a good time it was a good time so now with something like that like obviously you had to do sorts of like preparation for it but um 
like when you were getting ready to go, were you nervous before the race or were you more like, oh my gosh, this was not what I was expecting during the race? Like when was like the most like anxious feeling? Honestly, the most anxious, anxious feeling probably around eight o'clock that night during the race. So I was 12 hours in. It was around like 8, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. So it was about halfway through the race, and I just remember thinking I was like, I'm only halfway. Like, I still have 12 hours to go or 10 hours to go. And it was nighttime, so it was pitch black. You couldn't see anything. You just had headlamps uh, for the entire trail. At one point, my headlamp actually died during the race, so I had to sit right where I was for a couple for a couple minutes until someone came by with the headlamp and I was able to follow follow them down the down the hill. Yeah, I would say anxious wise, I wasn't really I was a little nervous the night before when we were in the hotel room about to go to bed. Um, I was a little nervous when we woke up. And I was more nervous because I didn't know exactly what to expect just because I've, I've ran for six hours before but I'm never twenty four. Um and I had I had a game plan that I wanted to stick to. Um, I was able to stick to it for a while, and then my body was my body was starting to tell me it was it was time to to calm down for a little bit. Um, that was at hour eight. So yeah, I, yeah, I would say nervous probably the day before, and then anxious that night, just knowing I had that the the anxiety turned to annoyance. Because I had like six or eight hours left, and it was I just want to be done with this thing. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of uh, following the exact same trail. I was just ready to be done. But it's something where I knew I couldn't quit because a I would hate myself, and b it was like I was leaving a lot of money on the table for that race. Yeah, and so like you got how many how many miles? Fifty three point nine, which is huge. I mean, I haven't. I don't know if I've ran that many miles in my life. I take basketball out of it, like take out like high school sports because I probably have reached that between like conditioning and whatever. But like solely just running for the purpose of running, I don't think I even got close to that. I mean, I think the longest distance I've ever ran straight was like four miles, and that was only because our coach made us run four miles like for an Indian run, which is terrible. Oh, but yeah, if you um. I was going to ask you this. If you think, do you think if you would have trained specifically, like, I'm talking like big time, like prep for it, do you think it would have changed how you experienced the race? Or would you have sp- still had like insane experience? Like, I hate this, I'm going to be done. But you would have just like gotten more laps done. You would have gotten better time or whatever. Uh, I, okay. If I would have trained specifically for this race you know done like a lot of trail running up mountains it's hard to train here in winona lake just because it's super flat there's no real mountains to train up to train on um i would say i would have gotten a lot more miles and i probably would have gotten in the 60s or 70s probably i would say but i don't think my feelings towards it would have been much different just because like i pushed myself to my max this race just like i would have pushed myself to the max if i had trained um, so that feeling I don't really think was would have been different. I'm sure I would have been less annoyed just because my body was more prepared. Um, yeah, I would, yeah, I would say that. Do you think you guys were all kind of in the same boat? Like all the 24 hour guys were like, "All right, well, we all we all hate ourselves for deciding to do this." 
Uh, I think some of those people are sadistic, so they enjoy that pain. I I enjoy being uncomfortable, um, but 24 hours straight of uncomfortability is kind of not my breaking point, but it was definitely, it it turned to more annoyance. But I know some of the people, like they were on their last lap, they knew it was their last lap, and they were puking and coughing, but smiling the entire time. So I, I will say ultra runners, I thought I was mentally tough. Until I met ultra runners. They're a different breed, that's for sure. They are some of the most impressive human beings I have ever met in my entire life. Jeez. They're literally insane. Specific kind of, kind of people. Not a great life expectancy. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, 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 t- I heard about that on a podcast where I was listening to RX Radio this weekend on my drive. And they were talking about longevity and ultra runners and how uh this guy's uncle he's 75 and his son is like 40 but he's an ultra runner and if you looked at him you would think they're the same age which is kind of crazy because you think that like if you can get like this like super high like lung capacity this high vo2 max and this whatever else you get from ultra running you would think that you'd be better off because you're able to push yourself but really it's just like I mean, you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself. If anything, yeah, it's kind of the same way with the bodybuilders. Like you're pushing your you're oh, pushing yeah. yourself to the max, and like I, I just want to put this out there that what I did this weekend was not healthy. So I don't want people to go out there and be like, oh, like it's healthy if I run 53 miles. It's not healthy at all. Like my body was literally deteriorating that entire race. Yeah, no, it's actually kind of funny that you say that because um, in the podcast, the it was it was an RX Radio episode about longevity, and he was talking about. He asked all the guys on the podcast, he's like, when was the last time you guys actually, like, worked out with the idea of, like, health in mind? And all of them really said, like, they don't even remember. Like, the last 15 years of their life, they can't even imagine, like, training without the purpose to be the best or trying to push your limits or whatever. So, I mean, I mean, I'm obviously not training for health, per se. I definitely like to go into the gym and, like, when I train, I train to push limits and I train to be better at what I'm doing. I'm not training just for GPP and I guess for those who don't know, as general physical preparedness, but like I'm not training for that and just to like make sure I live longer. I don't know. So I don't endorse like the not healthy part of it, um, but I do think it's very important if you're going to get into it, like you get into it and you do it like with a purpose. Yeah, I would say ultra running or if you want to push yourself. Don't go into ultra running looking to be the fittest person, the fittest you've ever been. That's not what it's for. If you want to go into ultra running or do an ultra race, do it for the mental aspect, not the physical, because it will push you beyond limits. There were times when I was running. I, I use these uh, these walking sticks. If it wasn't for the walking sticks, I would have fallen down multiple times. Like I couldn't stand up straight. I couldn't walk in a straight line. I started losing my hearing at one point. I have a hearing disability, so I don't know if that played any factor into it. But like, I started to lose hearing, um, and there was ringing in my excuse me, there was ringing in my ears. So it was it was a rough experience, but I'm I'm glad I did it. So it was good. Yeah. So now let's get on to something a little bit more uh, important in terms of education. Obviously, very happy to hear about the race. I'm glad it went well, but that's not what the people are here for, unfortunately not hear about our accolades. So uh, Colton came to me with this idea of talking about stretching, and I it was very vague. We were like, ah, oh, yeah, we'll talk about stretching. And so we, we kind of uh, chopped it up and hashed it out, and we were like, okay, let's talk about stretching. And I brought in, I was like, let's talk about mobility. And they were like, well, let's talk about kind of how 
the education system doesn't teach us what we need to, or maybe they do teach us what we need to, but in the incorrect form. So Colton says this was kind of like your baby of an idea. Like, how about you you kick us off? Yeah, I wanted to kind of talk, too, about the, the, I don't know, the misinformation about stretching. Because growing up, I played sports. I'm sure you, I know you did, too, Zach. We were always, for me at least, I don't know about you, I was always taught static stretching as a warm-up. Like, that was part of your warm-up. You were always, like, five, the first five or ten minutes of practice, you were stretching, you know, reaching your toes for 30 seconds, counting out loud, doing whatever you need to do. Was that the same experience? As oh, you yeah, had? I mean, it, it was, the like, the partner counting you at one, part, the other group goes two, that kind of thing, and you just sit and do freaking toe touches yeah. and whatever else that doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm sure... Every single person that's either listening to this podcast or has been a part of, like, a sport growing up, that's exactly the same experience that they've had. It's always static stretching. Um, so I would say that's probably one of the biggest, mis- the, one of the most misinform- misinformative, I don't think that's a word, but the things of stretching is that you have to static stretch or that it's a good thing to use as a warm-up. And I have this study pulled up from Mark Kovacs. He's from, or he's out of the University of Alabama. And he was talking about static stretching and performance and how the two go together. And he said, and this was in his article, that uh, depth jump performance decreased through static stretching. And then studies of strength and power um, have demonstrated performance increases of up to 30%. Then knee flexion and extension at maximal performance, a.k.a. one rep max, uh, measured 10 minutes after a static stretching were reduced by 7.3% and 8.1% respectively. Which those are 7.3 and 8.1 are big percentages, but that 30% for strength and power, that's insane. And that's based from the study, based off of static stretching. Um, they're not saying don't stretch, but they're saying static, static stretching isn't the end all be all for performance. And then he talked about injury prevention, which is another big thing. And I think people think uh, stretching and injury prevention are basically synonymous. But again, the Every information or all the information that he had just um, talked about how it doesn't help for performance. It actually decreases performance. And then for injury prevention, there is no study out there that effectively proves injury prevention and static stretching go together before, before an activity. Not static stretching in general, but just doing a static stretch before uh, an exercise or before like you play a sport. Um, there was this one study he talked about with football players how in the third quarter they had a control group and a treatment group. The control group didn't stretch or they didn't do a warm-up, and the treatment group did. They had like a 10-minute dynamic warm-up and static stretching, and they that group saw a decrease in injuries, but they weren't able to um, state whether it was because of the dynamic warm-up or the static stretching. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, – that's kind of the, the study I was talking about with this. I um, wanted to talk about stretching is how it is not as, static stretching is not as important as people think it should be. They talked more about how dynamic stretching is more important and not having to bring your, um, like your ligaments and tendons to maximal lengthening because it will inhibit your performance. Yeah, and it's actually kind of kind of interesting that we talk about this. Um, I was on Instagram today just scrolling around, and I saw a post. 
I don't know how to say his last name. I think it's Tora, but Jake Tora, he's like a was a strength and conditioning coach, like an assistant. I know he's a GA or whatever, but he posted something of a guy that was on um, his podcast because he has one called I think the the Jacked Athlete Podcast, which is kind of a sweet name. But one of the quotes that he posted was, um, "Can't think outside the box unless you've been inside the box." Which I think that's really cool and had a picture of like the Essentials of Strength and Conditioning um, book, which is like I think what they recommend to read before you take your CSCS exam. Unless, is there something different? Essentials no, it's of Strength that book, and Conditioning. Yeah. So, um, not saying that like thinking outside the box is something you shouldn't do without being uh, told exactly like what the original like standards was. But I would say, like, I mean, coming from college, I feel like a lot of things that we've been taught, especially since maybe it's maybe it's different at other universities, and I always say that, but since we have such short blocks, it's very hard for our professors to put in extra material that's outside of, like, what they want to say. So, like, everything that we learn, essentially, is from the book. And there's nothing wrong with going by the book, but the thing is, the book constantly changes, especially with time. Like, I'm pretty sure that any book that we have here at Grace, I mean, isn't the newest edition of it, for sure. Um, my professor actually talked about this, and it was in Strength and Conditioning. She was talking about how, well, because I asked her a question about, like, new uh, information that has been arising in the Strength and Conditioning world. And she said that the way this system works is that they have to base the information they're teaching us off of the book that has been released. But we can't, the books that they're, that the books that have been released that they have to teach on are 10 to 15 years old, even the newest models, because they're using the research that was proved 10 to 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it takes about 10 to 15 years to prove more information. So the information we're proving today can't really be taught at universities until 10 to 15 years from now. So all the information we're getting is basically old, or if not old, outdated at least. Yeah, and so that's why we say, like, so so often, like, continue your education, go out and listen to podcasts, read other books, go through different people f- and find out different fields of thought. I mean, hearing all these different things will help you become a better professional, and it will help you understand your, your topic more. If you want to be a solid um, person in this field, go from the basics, like NASM, go from the CSC, like the CSCS, um, the ACE, just go, if you want to be solid, go through those books. But if you want to break the mold and break barriers, study on your own. Learn from sources that are outside of the big named companies. Go and try to become better. I don't know if that makes sense, what I'm trying to say. But if you want to, like you said, be out of the box, like you have to be in the box first, learn from it, learn at outside sources and then you can break the barriers and become a, even a better professional because I mean it's one of those things you got to understand the basics in order to get better like Jordan Shallow says you can't squat on two legs if you can't balance on one so you got to learn the basic principles of your movement or in this um, in terms of school you got to learn the basic principles of your field of study and then from there you can branch off and find those people that think differently and do things differently but I got I got off on a little bit of a rabbit trail there. That's okay. But I want to bring it back to stretching. I feel like the reason why I was saying that is because a lot of these books and materials we talk about act like stretching is this huge thing. And maybe it's because I'm just not a flexible person. 
and I've never been a flexible person. And when I'd say like stretching isn't isn't great. Maybe if I was more flexible, I'd feel better. And so static stretching could help with that. But I feel like there's a lack of education in terms of like what static stretching does and like what these types of movements do. I feel like a lot of coaches and a lot of trainers and a lot of whatever what you name it, whatever they do in order to like be in 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 terms of like physical teaching with people. They all think that stretching is something that like people need to do. When I feel like a lot of people really need to work on like mobility, like joint mobilization, opposed to just lengthening of the muscles. I mean, because when you're static stretching, all you're doing is you're stretching the muscle in a static position in a like usually a cold state, unless after unless you do it after a workout, which is if anything more beneficial. So I feel like we, as a society, focus more on stretching opposed to mobility or even movement preparation. I feel like that's one thing, like, let's not do, like, a warm-up. Let's not stretch. Like, let's prep our body for movement. Because, uh, and it's actually funny because I'm going to say I'm going to say his name because I have to. Um, Jordan Shallow. We talked no. about it, and he gets mentioned on every podcast. <laughs> but um, he talks a lot about, like, within your movement preparation, um, Think about exactly what you're going to be doing in that workout. I mean, so specifically like shoulders. So Colton and I use this warm-up pretty often. Well, I use it, and Colton's been with me for both push workouts when I've done it. But to warm up, say for bench, I will do a lat pull-down, like a standing lat pull-down, kind of to get my shoulders in um, that vertical position. And then I'll, I mean, activate my back just because I use that for bench. And then we'll do shoulder stabilization. Um, we'll do it with like an upside down kettlebell press. And then um, after the third round of those two, I'll start bringing in the movement of bench press. That way we can like kind of get everything going and like primed and ready to move. Um, and I feel like that's like super simple. And I feel like a lot of people do too much that's not simple and they feel like more is better when really like less is more. Well, I think social media is kind of to blame for that because you see all these uh, fitfluencers, whatever they're called, and they're doing these stupid-looking warm-ups or exercises. And, I mean, it's just, like, always on uh, social media. Like, the people who make the biggest splash are the ones who get the most followers, get the most publicity, even though some of their stuff is absolute nonsense. Yeah, being different is the best thing to do in terms of, like, trying to get yourself a following. Yeah, but it's it's like... Again, you have to be inside the box. You have to understand the basics. Like working out, if you want to get strong, and again, we're going off on a rabbit trail. If you want to get strong, you don't need to do all these weird exercises in 25 different positions. You literally just need to squat, bench, or squat, push, pull, hinge, like four basic movements. There's probably a couple others, but it's like just get out there, do those movements, and you will get strong. Mm -hmm. It's not these stupid uh Freaking be on your hands against the wall, push-ups. Eccentric, isometric, not going below a 90-degree joint angle for 17 pounds of muscle in six weeks. That's kind of where I was getting at, but not exactly. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just, yeah, I mean, I guarantee you we can go on Instagram, find a thousand different fit influencers who have no idea what they're doing. And one specifically. Who? Can't say. Okay. Um. Don't, I, I was told not to throw shade on people that have higher credentials than me because they could come back and 
really go after me, which is true, 100%. And that, that's the thing, too, is it's like we kind of talked about the education versus experience. And no, we'll forget about that. We're just going off on more, more rabbit trails. Yeah. But uh, stretching. Um, yeah, I think when Zach was talking about stretching and schooling and I think this, this article I pulled up I got from uh, one of my classes – and this was probably the first time I have actually learned about stretching or learned not how to stretch, but the basics of stretching and how it's not necessarily for um, how you should stretch differently. Like don't static stretch before working out. Don't static stretch before doing activities. Um, see, I don't think it's taught enough. Um, I think Zach can, but also too, like I don't want to blame my professors, I don't want to blame anyone because it's probably not their fault. They have a certain curriculum they need to teach. Um, but I definitely think that we could be taught differently in different aspects, um, for sure. But again, I'm not saying this is any one specific person's fault. It's just kind of how the system is. Um, but yeah, no, like, and again, I'm not trying to throw shade on anything. Like, I've loved my experience here at Grace and my education. I've loved every single thing about it. It's just some things I would do differently. Some things I would keep the same. It is like one of those things like go find your own path, go find your own understanding of like what it is. I have physics on my brain right now. So Newton's third law decides to pop in. So each for each action, there's an equal and opposite reaction for each field of thought. There's probably going to be an equally strong and opposite field of thought for each person that loves static stretching. There's probably going to be a person out there that hates static stretching and feels like there's other things. It's the same eccentric isometrics, non-eccentric isometrics, knees over toes. Don't put your knees over your toes. What even is an eccentric isometric? Eccentric stretching of the, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't, no, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, okay. Eccentric is like the stretching of your muscles. Isometric is a static hold. Yeah. So somehow you're lengthening your muscle during an ecstatic hold. The only thing I can think of is if he's like, it's eccentric first and then an isometric hold, like right after that. But you have to stand up, so that's concentric. Exactly. So, I mean, like I said, like there's different fields of thought. And I feel like within the realm of exercise science, there's so many things. It's like, yeah, this is good. This is basic. But like, what can we do to make it better? And I feel like a lot of people do a very good job at that, but it's a lot of people take it too far. Yeah. Like, I mean, you don't need to do a million stretches for your glutes. I mean, get in the pigeon stretch and you're good. Stretching? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's just what you want to target, how you want to target it type of things. Um, and I feel like releasing of the muscle, like... Oh, yeah, trigger points? Trigger points are something that's very, like, overlooked and that people don't really even think about. Now, we've been blessed to have a professor who absolutely loves trigger pointing talks about releasing all the time because she's had great success from it surely more success than anybody's ever had purely from stretching the muscle and that's a lot of it's actually kind of funny that we were talking about this this is a big question like going into chiropractic so many people are like hey zach like i'm having this problem like i've been stretching and nothing's nothing's working we're like well you're probably not stretching right because you probably don't know how to and a stretch that you're doing it's probably going to hit what's your problem so let's talk about trigger pointing, and that'll, that'll probably help you out. Yeah, I've seen, I mean, even, okay, literally just trigger point for 20 seconds, 30 seconds. You're going to have more relief than when you started. It's going to hurt bad, but it, it helps. Trigger pointing is one of those things. I love it. sucks to do it, but when you're done, it's awesome. And, again, it's basically like there's a knot inside of your muscle, and you put specific pressure exactly on that knot 
it breaks it up a little bit, releases it, and it's better. You're not going to be perfect right away, but it's one of those things where it's amazing to do, and I love it. Yeah, and it's just like, I wasn't expecting this to be a super long podcast. I wasn't either. But, I mean, it is all gonna, it's all going to come full circle back to what this podcast is and what we wanted it to be. And it's just like, not necessarily like a warning, but I'm going to use the word warning. But like, and, and I guess maybe just be mindful of like, just be mindful of what institutions are. I mean, institutions have to teach a curriculum, like our professor said. Um, this stuff has to be approved and has to be made. Um, what is the word I'm trying to think? I guess I used it. They ha- it has to be proven in order for them to teach it. And so it's going to be out there for 10 years, finally come in and then stay in the curriculum for 10 more years. So you're getting dated information. I mean, you're getting a research study from 1995 that you're trying to use as like your basis of understanding when we're in 2021 XYZ, this person, this person, this person, this person have already gone through, kind of debunked it, changed their method, but that thing hasn't been able to come out yet. The only thing that's kind of stood the test of time, which I don't know how it has, is the FMS. We're not getting to that this podcast. Christy, okay, for, for our listeners, we will have Christy on this podcast, Lord willing, and her and Zach can battle FMS to the death. And I'm looking forward to that because I'm just kind of – Going to be in the background playing devil's advocate on both sides. Uh, for FMS, anyone who doesn't know, it's a functional movement screen uh, developed by Gray Cook and team. Um, Zach hates it. Christy loves it. She's FMS certified. Loves every- I said it, we're not getting into it. Now I am. Yeah. Now here I am explaining it. Um, yeah, they'll be all- we'll have those two on the podcast. I'll kind of be that mediator, um, keeping, it, keeping it as um, light as possible. I feel like I should get a handicap during that debate because... I uh, I don't have any letters after my name. That's definitely not Christie's fault. <laughs> you should go take a ten minute personal training survey on the on. Yeah, on I'll the go internet. get my ISSA, and then I'll feel like I'm more of a like an important person when I come to have this conversation. Like I have some sort of like validity behind what yeah. I'm saying. Um, yeah. So, man, this was definitely not a stretching podcast. No, I mean it definitely kind of quick and to the point, but. I mean, I don't have anything else to say. I don't really either. I mean, I think that's that's all I got. Yeah, stretching, be mindful of it. Do it if you need to. Mobilize your joints um, and don't take everything that your textbook says into account. Go look at other things and try to further your education. Think outside the box, but understand the box before you do it. Yeah, um, for sure. And again, like we say, just because we say it doesn't mean you have to believe it. If you want a static stretch because that's what you think is best, Go ahead and static stretch. That's differing of opinion, but it is what it is. Um, you got to do what you got to do. Always ask why, like we always say. Yes, always ask why. Um, so, again, we always try to end the podcast kind of on a lighter, lighthearted note. Um, so, Zach, if you had one superpower, what would it be and why? That's a tough one because I feel like everyone says, like, flying. I would love to be able to tell the future. But, like, be able to tell the future and be able to alter it myself. Okay. So, like, not time travel at all? No. Like, because the thing is, like, you learn from your mistakes. I think the past is pretty awesome. But if you can affect your future, that's huge. Like, if you're like, all right, well, I'm going to make that mistake. Or you're going to know that said test is going to be really hard. You're going to go back and you're going to study. Like, obviously, I don't want it to be, like, too, like, I don't want to be too OP. 
Like, I don't want to be able to go into the future. I don't want to be able to go to next Thursday and look at my physics exam, know every single answer that's going to be on the test, come back, study those, and ace it. Because then I won't feel like I've done anything well. But, like, if there's a catastrophic event that there could possibly, like, one thing could have changed it, obviously then we get into a weird, weird issue with, like, messing with God's plan and whatnot. But I don't have superpowers, and God's real. So... Obviously, this is an alternate universe where there is no God. <laughs> All right, so changing of the future. What about you? Uh, I, would, I would say I would love to be able to speak every language. Just go around, like no matter what country I'm in, talk to every single person there. That's a superpower? That would be my super. That 100% is a superpower. Or is this like a real big brain dude? <laughs> no, I, there's how many languages out there? I know there's polyglots, you know, like 20 languages, but like every single language. You drop me in the middle of Africa... I'd be able to speak any language. Drop me in Europe. I'd be able to speak whatever language. I, I mean, they definitely don't speak English in Europe at all, do they? They don't. Exactly. No, they do. But there's there's foreigners. There's <laughs> foreigners here in the United States. There's foreigners too. everywhere, Zach. Gosh, now you make me sound stupid. Uh, no, I think it's cool. I, I do think it's cool. I like it. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's all I got. So Awesome. Well, this is the Pre-Professional Podcast. Thank you for listening.